0: Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now, with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome. Aaron Young, he has helped over a thousand companies over 32 years to be more profitable. How are you doing, Aaron?
1: I'm doing great. Ken, how are you?
0: Fantastic. And forgive me for all the delay, but we're together finally. All right. All
1: right. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Aaron, could we just go back in time for a minute? Where did the entrepreneurial bug bite you? At like five years old with a lemonade stand, or?
1: Uh, You know what? I think um, I always had big ideas, big dreams, but. Really, it officially started when I was about 15 or 16 years old. I had been invited by a guy from church who managed an apartment complex to come paint apartments. You know how they have to turn the apartment when somebody moves out? I used to do those things. Okay, well, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, after I'd been there doing that for about, oh, I don't know, nine months or a year, the owner of the building, who had a number of apartment complexes, invited me to paint his house. And during the week and a half or two weeks I was working over at his house, I let him know, I don't I didn't know what he was paying that manager, but I would be happy to go uh, and paint all the different apartment complexes for this price. And it must have been somewhere between what I was getting paid and what he was paying the manager because he jumped on that. So for the last couple of years of high school, I acquired, you know, all my equipment and airless spray guns and had a couple other guys working with me. And that's kind of where it started, and uh, has never stopped.
0: So. All right. And so, what was your first official uh, business once you got out of school or university?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I only went to one year of, of college, and right. um, what happened was I came home from uh, college at Christmas time that freshman year, and I didn't have very much money for gifts, so I I started uh, I went out and borrowed a truck, and started collecting newspapers. Back then, they didn't have recycling like they do now but you could sell it at a place down in the warehouse district in Portland, Oregon. And I made about $3,000 over Christmas break. And I thought, well, that was back in 1982. I thought that's pretty good money for an 18 year old in 1982. So when I went back to the second semester of that freshman year of college, I laid out a map for the whole city of Portland and decided where I thought I had the greatest likelihood of getting a high concentration of newspapers. And within a year, we had, uh, I had about 5,000 regular monthly clients that I was picking up from. And from that spawned um, a second truck and three employees and uh, a number of other sort of side work. But that's where I really had my first payroll. You know, we're actually really doing things, reporting taxes and, and you know, deducting expenses. And I was learning as an 18, 19 year old how to run a, a small business. And uh, I went off on a mission for the LDS church. While well, I had that recycling business. And, you know, even while I was gone, I still made money uh, about between $1,500 and $2,000 a month, even while I was away from the business. And that taught me a great lesson about scalability. And I don't know, maybe we'll talk more about that as the interview progresses.
0: Well, we need to talk about this business right now because is this still applicable today that someone could go out and do the recycling business and make money
1: right now? Well, I would say um, certainly somebody is doing it but not the way I was doing it. Now the big garbage companies have gotten involved and almost at least everywhere I've lived um, in the Western United States, they recycle at the curb. So we leave these big bins out in front of our uh, property and they take it away along with the garbage and it's recycled. So I was way ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. uh, in Portland, Oregon, which is already a very green city anyway. Anyway, that business ran for a while and then I, I, Sold to the guy that was managing it for me while I was it, out on my mission and um, started my next real business, which was much bigger, which was a cellular phone business back in 1985. And we built up tied 25 salespeople in three locations and we were doing millions in sales. And uh, you just kind of keep moving forward as, as um, opportunity and technology allows.
0: All right, so let's take that business there—the cell phone business—is that still a good opportunity for people today?
1: There's a fellow that I know that I knew way back then. He was getting started the same time I was, in the middle '80s, and it's funny. He just reached out to me on social media recently, and um, he basically he was teasing me, saying, "Hey, it looks like you know you you turned out okay, but." He's still got his cellular phone business. They now have many locations around the northwestern United States. And um, I have clients of mine from my business at Fun Associates who are starting cellular phone you know, communication businesses and accessories businesses. And it, uh, there's still absolutely an opportunity there. It's kind of gone from being very personal when I was doing it to very impersonal, which is what put me out of the business when it went to big box retailers. And now there's a movement back towards more customer service and a little bit more one-to-one instead of just off the shelf, which I think is good for the consumer.
0: So like kiosks in malls, is that a small way to
1: start? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, many of the kiosks that we see are actually business owners who have many kiosks, but you do find people sometimes who are just a, a small agent and you can still get a small agency is what they call it in the cellular industry uh, where you can go out and be an agent. And as long as you can identify that you can actually do the retail business, they'll give you the, the, uh, the number and the license and say go crazy.
0: So uh, what kind of investment would someone uh, probably make the, like the smallest investment to get into this, would you think
1: mm-hmm. these days? I haven't done it for a long time, but the phones are very expensive. You know, these smartphones that we buy for, Well, anywhere from zero dollars to I'm always tending to buy the biggest, brightest, newest, you know, so usually Mm -hmm. it's like two ninety nine or something for what I'm buying. But those are deeply discounted. And if you were to buy the handsets on their own, they're about eight hundred dollars. So you'd have to invest some money in your stock. You'd have to have enough variety. But I would think that you could get into that business for under one hundred thousand dollars and have a, a decent inventory. You know that's something that people forget a lot of times. Ken is that you can have inventory and start selling it, but then as you as you sell your inventory and pay your expenses and put some money in your own pocket for your living, you start spending the money that you really should be spending on replenishing inventory. Mm-hmm. So not mm-hmm. only do people need to have the money to have uh, sufficient products to sell, but they need to have the ability to cycle two or three times through their inventory and still have enough slush put aside so they can. Pay themselves some sort of meager living until they really become profitable.
0: So turning it two or three times in what thirty
1: days? If you're lucky, if you could turn all your inventory. But I'd say that you'd have to figure out what the cycle is for turning that inventory. If it's inexpensive things, and if you don't have too broad of an inventory, you know, where you get stuck with some kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> some kind of uh, cell phone covers for a phone that nobody buys anymore, or that has a, a oh boy. you know, puppy dogs were really. Popular Christmas, but now everybody wants cats. I mean, you don't want to get stuck with a bunch of crummy inventory. But if you if you're wise in your purchasing, yeah, I think you want to be able to to do that uh, to be able to turn it two or three times, maybe in a ninety day period, 90 and still have enough money to turn. Um, and a lot of that stuff's being imported now. So if you're buying anything unusual to differentiate yourself, you may be importing it. You may be waiting on containers coming into the country. So it's a lot more complicated than just running down to the local supply warehouse like I did.
0: <laughs> to pick some more up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's much more of a global market now than it was when I was getting started 30 years ago.
0: So what do you think the learning curve would be to, so you got the 100,000, you can open the chaos, but it's going to, you're going to have to do some learning here. What? How, how big? How long a learning curve is, is it?
1: That's a good question. I, you know, I'm a big fan of being an apprentice, you know, being being someone who goes and learns from someone who's already doing it. So I think, in today's day and age, with the um, the, the you know at handedness of of information via Google or whatever, you can get a lot of info really quickly. And then there are people that are doing, or there are companies that are doing franchise or licensing type deals, who at least have some market data. Uh, then the, of course, the other thing is you want to get a good location. A lot of people really goof up on that one. But there are people out there who have good big data that can show you where the ideal location would be to put your particular lemonade stand. You know, so you can get all the information. The problem is a lot of small business owners that I meet, they're they're, I don't know their their money is tight and they shoot from the hip and they make very poor and very costly mistakes because they don't do their research. But if you'll do if you'll put in the due diligence, then you'll be okay. I mean, I'm just giving an example. When I leave this interview, I'm going to a, a meeting to work through some more due diligence on an 800-acre real estate development that I'm doing uh, that's up on a mountaintop, highest point in the county. I mean, you know, it's a very large deal, and you could easily lose your shirt, or you could easily make six or eight million dollars. in profit, it's all a matter of if you do the due diligence, and you don't act passionately so much as you act with, with good data. And as though it's an asset and not some just sort of passion project that you're working on if you do that, you'll make good choices.
0: And hopefully the money you're risking is the banks.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, you have to, you have to risk greatly to, to re- get great reward. And, um, right. uh, you always, you always leverage the money as much as you can for sure. The bank or other, other investors try to spread the risk, but, um, you know, the more you spread your risk, the smaller percent. Profit. Yeah, so you find a sweet spot. Let's go back to
0: this um, uh, kiosk for a second. Are you better off? I mean, I guess you have to look at the figures, but so that you wouldn't have to worry about, gee, is this location going to work or not? Buy an existing one because there always seems to be some for sale, and you pay a bit more money, but they're already a going concern. Is it worth, like, spending a hundred and fifty thousand? So fifty thousand more, but you've got a place you know is producing x amount of dollars.
1: Yeah, and you have some track record on what's selling and what that neighborhood mall is is uh you know attracting in. And so, sure, buying an existing business is a great idea if you have the capital, and then you can really be a shopper. You can instead of just um, going out and kind of into the wild west, and you're going to fail forward. Hopefully, if you go out and buy existing companies. Uh, which I've done a number of times, you can really get a pretty good sense of what's the human capital worth, what's the what's the historic data on what's being sold, you know, what inventory do they already have, and yeah, you do pay maybe a premium. It depends on the seller's disposition, you know, if maybe they've right. got some problem they have to fire sale and just get out of it. Here's the main thing: you got to be out in the market, you have to be talking to people, you have to let the world know what you're looking for and it's funny when you can articulate your vision articulate your goals all of a sudden things that you would have never found on your own are brought to you and handed to you on a silver platter so be out be talking don't do it all in a vacuum if you if you engage the market the market will find opportunities for you
0: so again i guess uh, i guess my question is that if you have the, the a bit of extra money you're far better off to buy an existing business let's say especially in this field than trying to discover a great new location and hopefully it works uh, so you're you're really a, a far safer to to go the other route than well,
1: I, I think you know what I'd say is i I'd say there are opportunities you know you could ask yourself am I better off to buy if I'm a real estate investor am I better off to buy an existing house that I already know the neighborhood and and fix it up a little bit and flip it, or am I better off to buy that vacant land right there and build a house on it and uh Hope that especially if there's not if the neighborhood's not full yet, you know, it's it's a neighborhood that's sort of uh, in transition or building. But here's the deal. You always make more money on the new house than you do flipping. Virtually always make more money on the new house than you do on the old one. But the old one is, is a more of a sure thing. So I think that that's the that's the fun. That's the game of being in business. Is learning, really learning about the market, figuring out what you're good at. What do you enjoy? What are your natural gifts? But I don't think there is a one way. If there was a one way, somebody would have, you know, Bill Gates would have capitalized on it and and, uh, totally cut all the rest of us out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but instead, it's this fun chess match, you know, whether it's your neighborhood or your city or your state or the world. And uh, that's what keeps it interesting.
0: And that's what you're doing with this investment with for your commercial thing there you're you're taking it right from the ground up taking a bigger risk but the rewards will hopefully be uh far superior to buying an existing commercial building. Well, this
1: is actually a, a residential property that's been in one family since the 1860s and it was purchased out of foreclosure and there is an opportunity there but it's a it's there's a risk because it's in a suburb that's just now growing, you know, just got a Walmart, they're just widening the highway in from the freeway from two lanes to seven, you're still in an area that where the big part of the population and where I live near Portland, Oregon, isn't really familiar with this area. And so it's a risk, but it's also property, unlike anything else available anywhere that I've found in the populated areas of the Northwest. And so you both have to do a marketing job to let people know, hey, there's a There's a new opportunity that you probably didn't know about, and also you're you're trying to create an exclusivity behind big gates, 24-hour guard, unbelievable views. So there's all this great stuff that if it was right in the heart of the city of Portland would be worth $100 million. But because it's not, you have to recreate the the, uh, game and figure out a way to sell it. But that's where, for me, the excitement comes.
0: And are you seeking investors out of curiosity for this development? No, okay.
1: <laughs> nope. You're
0: keeping it all for yourself.
1: Well, it took me about two phone calls to get all the money together that I needed oh, this great. is It's such an unusual opportunity. And see, that's the deal. It's never been on the market nobody There's no for sale sign. There's no big neon sign saying opportunity over here. It was a matter of being out in the marketplace talking, meeting people, learning about things. And then somebody else was starting to develop it and things in their life changed. And I already had the relationship where I could say, why don't you let me buy this from you? And he said, I think that would be a good timing. So, but it's no joke. You know, you're talking about $15 million. It could go either way, but if it works, it's a home run. If it doesn't work, uh, I'll have a great big farm.
0: Uh, And this leads me into being connected. What is it that you're doing, Aaron, that my listeners could start doing to be that connected that two phone calls away, you can come up with fifteen million.
1: Well, okay, these are great questions, and and um, we haven't talked much about what I do or who I am out there in the in the world right now. But first of all, I speak at a lot of events, right? I because I have a almost a forty four year old company, and we have many tens of thousands of of business owner clients, and we help a lot of people, and we've been, you know, we've just done a lot. I get invited to speak, so I'm every week. I'm around the country speaking at really cool business events, and so I meet a lot of people that way. You don't just come out of the chute being a a regular speaker on big stages. You that's something you have to work towards. So if your listeners are saying, "Well, I want to get better connected," I would say if if it's in your comfort, well, even if it's not your comfort zone, if it's just in your within your capacity to speak, if it's within your capacity to write, if it's within your capacity to uh, record like uh, a podcast, like Mm -hmm. you're doing right here, then you do it because the simple act of podcasting, of of writing a blog, of giving a speech at the Rotary Club or or the Chamber of Commerce, it's something that most people don't do. And by you doing it, and by you doing it even reasonably well, you set yourself up as an expert. And if you can seed into your, that is to say plant seeds, in your presentations, let people know that, hey, this is something that I'm kind of good at. I, you know, I can do real estate investment, I can help you form your corporation, I can help you reduce your taxes, I can help you get your message out digitally or from the stage, Then, or, or I write books too. So I mean, there's no money in books. The money is in the credibility that comes from having written the books, and then people say, can I hire you for $10,000 for a one hour speech? And you go, as long as you buy my plane ticket, sure. You know, <laughs> I'm at a place in my career now where people will invite me to their business, and um, I get fifteen thousand dollars for uh, up to eight hours of sitting there with them, during which time I'll speak to you about whatever you want. If you want to talk on the phone, it's a thousand dollars an hour. So, but I didn't always charge that. I I couldn't have charged it; people would have thought I was crazy. But over time, if you're out there and you're teaching good information. And it can be about anything. Mine's about business and asset protection. But you could be talking about how to grow better tomatoes or how to write computer code or how to do a podcast. And people are are seeking and they're hungry for leadership. If you provide the leadership, they'll hire you. And as you become better known as an expert in that field, you get paid better. So how do people get connected? You got to be out doing something where people are looking around going, oh, I would like to know that person better. And if you do that, pretty soon, you don't have to go asking. People are coming to you saying, hey, I've got some money. Hey, I've got an opportunity. Uh, You know, could you help me with it?
0: All right. Let's discuss what your company does exactly.
1: Oh, sure. Well, Laughlin Associates. Have you ever heard that Nevada is a good place to incorporate? Uh, Yes, I have. All right. (laughs) So we're the ones that invented that. We're the first company that was doing that. Harley Laughlin was the founder of the company. He was, he owned a trucking company there in Carson city, Nevada. And he was super involved, with the, the local assembly, the, you know, kind of the Congress for Nevada. Mm-hmm. And he pushed and paid for a lot of legal work to help get the business friendly laws that Nevada now promotes, helped get them into the statutes. And so, uh, and then he started this incorporation company and ran it for many years. And when, um, he and then his son, who actually took over when his dad retired, but the son passed away at an early age, 33 or 34. Anyway, that but their estate attorney called me and said, would you be interested in buying this company? And I looked at it, and it was an opportunity, and, and I did it. And what we've got is a business that helps form corporations and limited liability companies and limited partnerships shows you how to use multiple corporate corporate entities to get even greater asset protection, tax reduction, estate planning, exit planning. And we do that for lots and lots. I mean tens and tens of thousands of clients.
0: And what's an amazing thing too is you just had just had one year university, but you're running a corporation that probably has several lawyers under you. I've
1: got I've got lawyers and CPAs and MPAs <laughs> that have all worked for me. Um, I work with over 100 law firms now that send us business, Um, over 200 CPA firms that send us business. When I train, when I go out and do events, they are qualified for continuing legal and continuing professional education credits. So isn't that funny? I mean, within, within my realm, I am talking to the people who have a lot more education, formal education. But I'll tell you, there's really something. Look at Steve Jobs. He had less than one year of college. Um, look at Bill Gates dropped out after a couple of years, Michael Bell and on and on. Steve Jobs said something very interesting. He said that the reason that most people who go through university and go on to get masters and PhDs, the reasons most of them don't make good entrepreneurs, uh, they can do great in a career. And as a matter of fact, if I, have, if I need brain surgery, I want somebody who finished all those years of school. Mm-hmm. But um The reason most of them don't make good entrepreneurs is he said entrepreneurism is all about connecting, you know, kind of these diverse dots. And when you go through a long university process, it's very linear. And and if you go through an entrepreneurial experience, you're doing all kinds of crazy things and you're able to see how to connect a lot of these disparate dots into a solution that somebody who's more of a linear thinker maybe wouldn't ever conceive of. And it takes a special kind of crazy, insane person to be an entrepreneur. And not everybody has that infection, you know. It, <laughs> a lot of them are nice, healthy people who show up for work every day and don't go into crazy debt, don't start doing something with an 80% chance of failure. And believe me, we need all the mix. If everybody was an entrepreneur, who would ever really get any of work done? <laughs> so anyway, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for the mix. But um, I, have, I have had a fun life mostly because I just never felt like I fit into a traditional educational system. It was never my thing.
0: And that continuous l- linear thinking along the same lines causes you to fall into ruts where you have a hard time thinking outside the box. And even I think Einstein mentioned that. He said, I never thought anything, anything big later in my life. It was all when I wasn't hanging
1: around all my peers. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, um, <laughs> It's super important to get around people who are of your caliber or or a, a little ahead of you, not not quantum leaps ahead of you, people that can push you and challenge you a little bit, and they're doing a different kind of business than you are. But mm-hmm. together, you can sort of commiserate on things that you have in common about your business, but you can also hear new thoughts. It's really important to read. It's really important to listen to a variety of podcasts. It's really important to meet a diverse group of people whether they're wealthy or they're a really cool artist or they're a homeless person on the street you got to have your ear to the ground of what's going on in the world or you will get into a rut and eventually you'll look up from the rut and go hey nobody cares about me anymore you know what well, you've you've got to figure out a way to stay current you've got to figure out what's just starting and how do i stay ahead of things how do i get ahead of the market so that when people show up like i'm there with my catcher's mitt if you can do that, you can ha- have a very fun, uh, adventurous life, and you can make money, and you can have a lot of great stories to tell. I think a lot
0: of the retirees that are listening are a lot of fall into the category where they maybe felt they became irrelevant near the end of their uh, work cycle, and now they're retired and they're feeling even worse. <laughs> you know, they're thinking, "Wow, is my life over or what? But where well, I think it's really the opportunity for a new beginning. But what? So what do you recommend for, you know, here's an accountant. He's been an accountant all his life, and he was good at what he was doing, but he was never an entrepreneur. He was just, uh, you know, he did the work. He didn't uh, create the business itself, and now he's retired. He likes football. As a, you know, he really enjoys watching football, but he has his expertise in accounting. What what do you do, what's he do with his life?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, your listeners, if they don't know, if you haven't already highlighted this, which I bet you have, the fastest growing population of new entrepreneurs are over fifty five. There are a lot of people who are maybe not in their seventies but are certainly in their um, 50s and 60s who have been downsized or gotten bored or they, you know, whatever happened to them, they're saying, let's start a business. And the, the, um, the barriers to entry are so much lower for most small businesses now that you can do it. I mean, it's so funny you had asked me that question. I, you know, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. But I was talking to my father yesterday on mm-hmm. the telephone. My dad is 75. He's one of the most intelligent men that I know. He lived his whole life working for um, a couple of different companies as a salesman, uh, trucking company. So he's getting freight onto trucks and he hated his job. But, it, you know, he had a company car and a, a reasonable salary and good health benefits and five children and a wife to take care of. And he was a, an honorable man who showed up every day and did a job he hated.
0: He had those golden, uh,
1: uh, um, yeah, they were almost golden. They were like tarnished silver handcuffs, <laughs> handcuffs. And, uh, it was, you know, just enough to survive, but it was too good to leave. And I was talking to my dad yesterday, who's on a fixed income now, and he's living with one of my sisters. And, um, he was saying, you know, I, if it weren't for the kids and grandkids, I just don't know what I'd even want to, you know, I wouldn't have really anything to look forward to. And I said, dad. You have a wealth of, of knowledge. He's one of the most curious people I've ever met. And I said, You know, you know a lot about Soda Fountain memorabilia, Coca Cola, Heyer's Root Beer, these kind of stuff. You know a lot about Disney. He was really involved in the, uh, he lived right there in, in Southern California in the uh, growing up in the 50s. He was real involved with a lot of the Mouseketeers. He had a contract at Paramount Studios for while I was in movies and television shows. I said, Dad, you know how many people would be interested in that? Do you know, how many people would love to have some idea of, of the um, the things that you've learned and collected. He's an antique collector. I said, let's put together an ebook and let's start a Facebook campaign and build a small mailing list. I promise you, there are people who would pay you $250 an hour to help them look through stuff that they just got because their grandparent died and they're responsible for the estate, or they just found this really cool thing, or they have this idea, or they have this fascination with. And I I said, you have stuff in your head that because you're so familiar with it, you esteem it as nothing. And yet to other people, they would love to tap into what you've learned as a curious guy who's done a lot of interesting things in your life, even though your career kind of sucked, you've still had a a great avocation. Let's tap into that. You know, that CPA who loves football and who's now going, now what do I do? You know, what if they could be a CFO, you know, for two or three small companies that would all pay them 1500 bucks a month to help put their financial statements together? What if they could take their, their knowledge and help somebody who is a great real estate investor but who is clueless on the books? And this person could now come in not as somebody that's preparing tax returns but somebody who's helping leverage the tax code in favor of this real estate entrepreneur. What You know, what if they said – hey, I want to, I don't need to be bored. I can get involved with, um, I don't know, some sort of uh, sports league. Maybe it's not football, but maybe there's some kind of leagues that are a nonprofit teaching kids. There's some kind of um, situation where they need somebody who could come in and maybe you're not going to get paid a lot, but you'll get access to sporting events that you like to go to, or you're going to meet other people there who will hire you. I don't know. There's The thing is, the door, door, all you got to do is get out in front of people. And let me tell you the one thing that I teach everybody, whether they're paying me on, you know, on an hourly consult for a, a one on one day, if I'm speaking in front of a crowd, the very first thing I teach everybody, because even really successful multi, multi millionaires that I know have never been taught this. So I'm just, I'll teach your listeners right now. And that is, if you could forecast forward and say, what's the life that I want? If I could have my dream life, what would it look like? And make sure it's within the bounds of reality. I mean, I'm a 51 year old, five foot eight, slightly overweight white man. The odds of me ever playing professional basketball are very low, right? So I, that would not be a reasonable dream for me. But you know what? It's, it is within the bounds of reality that I could say I want to own a basketball team. Um, that could be a reasonable goal, but whatever it is. Whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, write it down in longhand on one piece of paper and don't describe how you got there. This isn't a business plan. Just what would your life look like? What would your relationship look like? What would your health look like if it could be perfect? Write that down and then read it every day and start articulating it. Start saying it out loud to people. And what you'll find is that that pathway that is impossible for you to see on your own will start to line up for you because as you can have a clear vision of what you want and you can articulate it, others will come into your life. that will say, oh, read this book or let me introduce you to somebody or come with me to this thing or you should listen to this cool TED talk or a podcast uh, or, you know, here's an article you should read. That will start happening. The quote that hangs next to my desk, both in my home office and in my main office down in Reno, Nevada, and it's on my cell phone and everything else. Is by um, Henry David Thoreau, and what it basically says is when one advances confidently in the direction of their dreams, they will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. In other words, as you know what your dream is and you move into the darkness with faith, stepping into the unknown but believing in your dream and working at it every day, all of a sudden you will have a success that you could not have planned for because – the the world will conspire in your favor and put people in your pathway once you can say what it is you're doing. And if your listeners are out there and they're feeling like they're insignificant or they're, they're done or they've missed the boat, I would say open up your imagination a little bit, dream a little bit and don't worry about why would anybody believe in me or why would anybody ever pay me or why would I, why do I matter? Forget that, forget that. And focus on what is it that you want. When you get clear on what you want and you write it down and you articulate it, you have a dramatically higher percentage of opportunity of getting to the dream. And I've seen it happen time and time and time again. And I gave my dad a couple of assignments last night when I talked to him and I said, I'll leave it to you now to see if you'll actually act on what I've suggested or if you'll just blow it off. Because some people... Say they want something, but they don't really want it.
0: Let me encourage your dad. Here in Florida, one of the fellows that comes to our podcast meeting sometime here in Clearwater, he's from Orlando. He's a uh, a recovering attorney. All right?
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> and all he does is Disney. His podcast is all Disney. He does nothing but Disney. And He's one of the most successful guys in the business in the world right now doing what he loves. He said he's always loved Disney. He likes all the stuff Disney. He goes to all the restaurants. He writes stories of where to go and how to set your plan up when you come here to Florida. And that's all he does. Just let your dad
1: know that. I'm going to let him know that because I'll tell you what what the deal is there. And I said this a minute ago. When when you just know about something, you don't think it's a big deal. But the fact is the reason Google and YouTube and so on have so many people adding stuff, so many searches, you know, so many billions of searches every day Mm -hmm. is because there are a lot of curious people out there yes and um you don't have to tap into very many of them to make money and a fraction of a percent can make you a multimillionaire it's amazing what's going on right now you know it's just amazing what you can do so I'll encourage my dad with what you just told me. Matter of fact, maybe offline, you can let me know who that individual is. Uh, But if I remember it, I'll tell you, but I will email
0: it to you and I'll let you know right away once I look it up.
1: The only reason to despair can the only reason to be disappointed or frustrated or, or feel fatalistic is because you've lost your imagination. You've lost your will. There's this wonderful lady that I know. Well, she just passed away at 99 years old. She was widowed well into her 60s, and she decided to move from where she lived in central Oregon out in the desert to the Oregon coast. And she got this little hunting cabin that had a, it was heated with a fire, you know, a, like a wood-burning stove. Mm-hmm. And it was a little tiny thing, and she decided to create a life there in her 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, you know, she's, she learned how to paint and became very successful and, and made lots of money painting. She started – a choir. She started a band. She toured Europe with her band that she started. At, like a, is,
0: that, is that Grandma Moses? It's not
1: Grandma Moses, but, <laughs> but we called her Grandma Dottie. Um, at 98 years old, she, was still, she still had dreams. She was still driving her car. She was still making money with her wow. work. And you're only limited ah. by your confidence to keep trying.
0: Aaron, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that?
1: The easiest thing would be to go to Aaron Scott Young, dot com, Aaron Scott Young dot com. And there you can learn all about what I'm doing and the things that I you can learn a lot about me or get on my podcast or whatever there. And if you want to learn about the business stuff that we do, the um, that Laughlin Associates does, you can go to Laughlin USA dot com, L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N USA dot com, dot com. And there's endless resources for people with curious minds. Like but true. not for the faint of heart. If you're a quitter, don't even bother. Just go watch Prices Right. <laughs> but you know what? I, I really hope people will take the opportunity to do something different, to write a vision statement and to risk a little bit of, uh, you know, of the unknown to chase their dream. If they do that, they will meet with a success unexpected in common hours.
0: Well, Aaron, I thank you for taking the time. I know you have another appointment you have to go to, so we'll have to cut it a bit short. But I, I sure hope that we can speak to you again in a few months and see what the latest things you're up to and how your, your real estate development's going. It would
1: be my pleasure to tell you of either my great success or my great <laughs> crash and burn. Either way, either way, it will make a good story.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Aaron. And, and, and until then, uh, we appreciate all you've told us today. And, and I want to act on a lot of what you said myself. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, sir. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.